back to our roots off the, off the Skype. No more Zoom for us. T-Bone's computer, fired up, ready to roll. This is our 2021-2022 season post-mortem Super Bowl review podcast. Uh, boys, what a year. Good year for the back judge, too. Phenomenal year. Great, great year and a great Super Bowl. I'll just kick it off by by saying, I mean, the back judge has officially predicted the Super Bowl champion two years in a row. Yeah. So I don't know. And and what, gotten three of the four teams correct, right? Three of the four teams correct, yeah. I mean, I don't know know what they call that in the industry, but... We we started this we started this bad boy in 2017 uh, under the notion that prophecy is key, and yeah. we uh, I, I think it's I think we all should kind of give ourselves a pat on the back for um, for being thorough and being prophetic in our in our in our work here. It's and a, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it coming, man. It's a da- it's a damn shame that we don't have that 2017 Rams preview. Um, where, I, where I famously said, uh, you guys don't think Cooper Cup can make a nice little impact on this team? And uh, and here we are, f- you know, four or five. Tommy, you've, you've always been a Cup guy. We'll give you that. Well, yeah, I was, but it's, it's just funny that, you know, if you were to tell us back then in 2017 that Matthew Stafford would be winning a Super Bowl and Cooper Cup would be the MVP, it just is, uh, you know, what a, what a league that we cover in. Uh, we, we've been at it, man. We've been at it. We're, we're, we're becoming veterans here. If we were a player, if, if this was our fifth year in the NFL, we'd be uh, mm-hmm. ascending to veteran contract status. Contract year. This is a contract, contract year. year. Yep. Contract year. Uh, Tommy, Tommy and I have um, some trivia, though, to, before we get into the real uh, nitty-gritty of the pod. Tommy, uh, I'll let you go first. Okay, this one is uh, – this, this, this player was a first-round draft pick in 2006 – um, and I'm going to say for the New York Giants and won two Super Bowls with them. Hakeem Nix? No. Mm. I could give the college, but I think if I give the college. Intro role? No. Is it offensive or defensive player? It's a defensive player. It's a defensive player. Okay. Goodness me. This is a deep cut. I'm going to give you the college, and I think this might aid Lee a little bit, potentially, but he went to Boston College. First round pick. First round pick. (laughs) That's not helping me much. I think J.P. Shady's screaming uh, in his car right now. Shady Shady for sure does. An 06 giant is right in Shady's wheelhouse. I believe he was a rookie Um, when they won the Super Bowl. When they beat the Pats, or no, maybe that was 2007. So yeah, either way. Um... Wow, man, this is devastating. And was it was a solid player? Was a solid player for the Giants. Uh, eventually retired in 2014. Did not play for any other teams. First round pick in 06 for yep. the Giants. Played the whole career with them. Played the whole career with them. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Is there another hint at all? I don't know what oh, I. Man. I don't know what I could say. Um, he was what position? He was he was a, a kind of a, an edge hybrid, one of the first kind of linebacker defensive end. Uh, was was with Justin Tuck, O.C. Uramura, and uh, Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. 
I went to Boston yeah, I mean, College. Should I shout? This is this is a tap out. out. This is a tap yeah. out. Wow. Who is Matthias Kiwanuka? Kiwanuka. Oh, Matthias. Matthias, yeah, Matthias Kiwanuka. Oh, man, good, good cut. That was good a cut, great Tommy. cut, Tommy. That's that was a, a great, great cut. cut. That was a stumper, man. Whenever you can get yes. a, a fat stump, that's that's kind of impressive. I mean, well, and this is, and I also oh, gave you guys pretty much every hint you could give, you know, and yep, it, it just goes yep. to show that that he was a deep cut from our early football fandom. So shout out, Ma- Matthias, Matthias, Clep, yeah. you correctly uh, corrected me there. It is Matthias Kiwanuka. That was a good trivia, man. Shady definitely, right. definitely. I bet yeah. Shady got that two and a half minutes ago. I bet he probably was, <laughs> was yelling that one. Anyway. I, the Boston listener. College thing threw me off, man. Mm. I don't know. I thought that I was, was thinking like I was thinking like a white linebacker like Keekley. Yep. For some reason, I was just yeah. thinking secondary. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, anyway. He also was All the right. 32nd pick in 2006. Mm. So he almost was a second round so, pick. So he was. He joined them right. He must have joined them right after the Super Bowl win. I guess I'm I but 2000 they won in 2007 so and he was on that team. Well, they, I think they probably maybe traded for the. They pick. probably traded back or. Okay. Um. All right. Um. All right. This uh, this wide receiver began his career with the Houston Texans in 2007. Houston's Texans wide receiver in 2007. Can I get a college? Is there, or is that too? I don't know if it'll help you. I don't even. I'm not even sure what the college is. Um, Houston Texans in 2007. So we're we're looking at. Yeah, the college will not help you. Can I get it for for my for prosperity's sake? Lane. Lance Moore. Right? No. Nope. Jeez. Um, it's okay. I mean, the first the first hint is not is not too uh, you know. I'm just getting beaten down by this trivia. All right, he his his two touchdown performance in Super Bowl 47 helped his team win. Super Bowl 47, so that that had to have been the uh, 2008 Super Bowl with the Steelers and the he played no. for the Steelers. Um. Wait, hang on. I might have the wrong Super Bowl. Hang on a second. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. No, I I have the correct Super Bowl. Super Bowl forty-seven. Two touchdown performance helps his team win the game. Okay, so I'm obviously wrong that it was the Steelers. That was not Super Bowl forty-seven. Is that no? Well, Super Bowl. Super Bowl forty, and this player, this player is a wide receiver. I think I did yep, say, you that? Did yeah. say that. Yeah, he did say that. Oh, I know who it is. Jacoby Jones. Yes, that's a, that was a great that was a great one because and the two touchdown throws you off because it was a punt, one of them was a punt return. Yeah, yeah, kickoff return. I think kickoff yeah. return. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Good. Good cut. Good cut. All right, Lee, you'll, you'll have to bring one to the table next time. This ends trivia and, and brings us to uh, Super Bowl, was it 56? 54? What? 56? No. I, I, I can never remember that. <laughs> Maybe if they made the logos cooler, I'd remember it. Yeah. Um, the Rams, man, overcoming uh, 
a lot this year, beating the Cincinnati Bengals at SoFi Stadium. Second straight year, a team wins the Super Bowl at their home field. McVay gets a ring. Donald gets a ring. Odell gets a ring. Stafford gets a ring. Whitworth gets a ring. Weddle gets a ring. Uh, quite a run for the Rams this season. I thought the game was was pretty good, man. Uh, I don't know. Some people are saying it was like underwhelming. Oh, I um, thought it was a great maybe game. It's just be, maybe Go just pound sand. I'm, yeah, I know. Maybe it's. I think it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know we've been watching Stafford for for so long, um, but was was happy for him to to get his ring. Obviously, there was some stuff with the refs um, that kind of went awry. But at the end of the day, I think it, it ended up being even in terms of the missed calls, right? I mean, I thought the Logan Wilson call was pretty bad. And then obviously the OPI and T Higgins was pretty bad. So had, had something at least, you know, when you're talking about the refs, there was, there was one pretty big call that went both ways. I think my big takeaway uh, from this game is I feel like the Bengals, I mean, I almost feel like the Bengals kind of, kind of blew it in a, in a way. I mean, you, you have zero turnovers and the Rams have two, uh, so you win the turnover battle by two, and you still lose the game. My two um, underrated moments here, here this is, will be my big takeaway. My two underrated moments of this year's Super Bowl was the Rams' defensive stop on the Bengals uh, after the Stafford pick at halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, obviously you give up the big play on the first play out of the half to, to T. Higgins, no matter what you want to say about the call or the missed call. And then come right back, throw a pick. It just felt like everything was going against the Rams there, and for the defense to hold them to a field goal, I thought that was a huge, uh, huge moment in the game. Where at the end of the day, you know, you you still were only down uh, a possession after that sequence of events. And then my second sneaky uh, underrated moment of the game was when the Bengals had the ball. Um, bef- the the drive before they gave the ball back to the Rams and the Rams had the game-winning touchdown drive, it was the drive after Burrow came off the field and, and hurt his knee a little bit. And I thought the Bengals just kind of um, were like afraid of him being hurt or something like that. And I, I, I felt like they kind of gave up on that drive, which I thought was a little bit strange. They really just went like run, run, pass, run, run, pass, and then punted it away. And I didn't think there was a lot of urgency on their sideline or in just in terms of being on the field, I thought, you know, that's the one where you try and drive down the field and, and really put this thing away. And I thought they kind of got conservative uh, on that drive a little bit and then just were happy to punt it back to the Rams with six minutes to go. Um, so those are, those are my two little takeaways. Ultimately, I thought the Rams were the better team, and I think the better team won. Yeah, I agree. I think the better team won. I mean, the first thing I want to say is just giving a, a a huge hat tip to the Bengals for just being. I mean, they they were right there, man. They were right there. They were a play or two away from one of the most impressive Super Bowl runs uh, in my lifetime, for sure. Um, and they really kind of exceeded all the expectations, My wildest expectations for them, they exceeded. If if someone asked me before the season. What's the best case scenario for the Bengals? Like, unrealistically, what's the best case scenario? I would probably say, I don't know, maybe they win 11 games and make the playoffs and, you know, lose. Um, they did something more impressive. So I just got to tip my, tip my cap to that. I think the most underrated, maybe it's not underrated, I think the biggest play of the game was the Cooper Cup reverse on fourth and one, being able to get that first yeah. down. Getting absolutely nothing going in the run game for the Rams, I think, was devastating. I ultimately think the Rams' defense won them the game. Um I think that Stafford, it kind of it goes without saying where Stafford played to me 
an average game, but and I had a lot of money on the Rams, as as you guys know, um, uh, from before the season. It, but when the clock had five minutes on it and the Rams got the ball back, I was like, this is what he does. I literally had supreme a supreme amount. That was the most confident I was that the Rams were going to win since the, the scale started to tip before halftime. And it was like, wow, okay. Like at halftime, I was a little worried. Right out of half, I was like, wow. The third quarter was pain, was pure pain. It was like, this yeah. game is not going well for the Rams. The fourth quarter was like, I feel good that the Rams are staying within a puncher's distance in this game, and the fact that the Bengals aren't pushing away with it makes me gives me confidence. And then when it got to six, five minutes, and Stafford was getting the ball back down four, I was like, okay, it's go time. Like this is what they do. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think it was a phenomenal game. I think it was a great way to cap an incredible playoffs. I think anyone who's saying that it was under, I mean, you're going to get those people every year, man. I have a hard time. I really have enjoyed every Super Bowl I've watched for the most part. The only one I can really remember that I like didn't care about was the Broncos Seahawks one. Um, that's really the yeah, only one. They got out of hand so fast. Yeah, that's the only I one think I can part of that, that was... part of that rhetoric comes from the way that it ended with the ref situation. Um, the game was called so you know. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't really call penalties, and then at the end, it's like they're throwing flags everywhere. Sure. Uh, but sure. I loved officiating wise. I love. I think the game was called evenly. Like I don't think any team yeah. got well, an upper I think, hand. I think I and I saw someone on Twitter today put out like the all twenty two view of the last play and like you can make an argument that there's like multiple or like there was a holding call on Tyler Boyd um, on the Rams that they that they quote unquote missed. But I enjoyed obviously the T the I mean the T Higgins Jalen Ramsey OPI kind of like took me out of that headspace. But up until that point, really. I love that the refs wanted nothing to do with the game. And I think that's ultimately, I would much rather have a game like that than a game um, like the Raiders-Chargers game where there's 17 penalties or whatever it is. And the refs just have such a big outcome mm-hmm. on, on the end of the game. Like I like when the refs are swallowing their whistles and they're letting the boys play. And I think that's ultimately up until, you know, like Tony Dungy said, and it's a, it's a really common takeaway, like up until the last two minutes of the game, that's what the refs were going to do. And then once they did it, that's when the kind of the controversy came in. But ultimately, I was you know watching with my buddy Andy, and and I was just I I was getting ex- I was so pumped with how you know the refs were letting the the guys play. They were letting them talk a little bit. You know Vernon Hargraves obviously uh, that that had to that had to be a penalty. But they were le- you know they were letting them jog a little bit after the whistle, and it was just like a yeah. game filled with emotion, and I love that. Um, my takeaways were. The Rams were clearly controlling the game for, uh, you know, I guess I guess until the T. Higgins touchdown, and then it really felt like the Bengals were controlling the game. And then obviously, um, you know, Stafford goes down and, and has that last drive, and, and Burrow can't answer. And it kind of was – it was a really just game, I think, for the most part. I think I think Zach Taylor outcoached Sean McVay a little – and that's not even saying that Zach, Col- Zach Taylor coached a – um, a really good game. I think Sean McVay, uh, the early down runs that literally everyone in the analytics community said like, oh, McVay is going to run the ball into oblivion and that's what he's done the whole playoffs and then Stafford has just been uh, next level elite on third down and just Stafford wasn't that for the majority of the game on third down and that's why the, the Rams were punting it away until he really was um, on that, well, even on the last drive, they just abandoned the run, and the the Rams were able to move the ball with ease, pretty much it seemed to me. So I think 
there's a lot of warts, I think, from that side of the ball. And I was really impressed with Zach Taylor. Um, just, you know, like he was playing to win that game. Like I thought all the fourth down calls, uh, the, the choices to go for it were the right calls. Now, obviously, uh, when you run it with Samaji Piran on, on fourth down twice, I think, that's, that obviously is, you know, you can have some, some disagreements there. But ultimately, I think like the Bengals, the Bengals were the worst team. Um, the Rams' talent, especially on the defensive line, just was way too much. And all of our criticisms about the Bengals' offensive line and kind of the overall narrative, that's why I liked over five and a half sacks so much, like that came to fruition. Um, and ultimately, the Bengals just did not have the talent in the trenches to to really compete with an elite, elite Rams team. I mean, Aaron Donald was had two sacks and eight pressures, just an, uh, an all-time performance. His second half was unbelievable. Unbelievable, man, unbelievable. Yeah. So I think ultimately... I mean, the Rams had seven sacks. They tied a Super Bowl record yeah. for the most sacks. It's just, yeah, I mean... They, they cleared that prop number by themselves, and, and, and the Bengals were unable to really get... that On that first drive, I think Hendrickson had a sack, but all, after that, like whether it was a blitz or with the four-man rush, they weren't able to get any pressure on Stafford. So um, ultimately, I think, you know... It, it was a, it was a great Super Bowl, man. It was a really great Super Bowl, and the Rams deserve all the credit in the world. Um, it looks like McVeigh and, and Donald are going to run it back, you know, with 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 some pay raises on on um, on each of their end. So, I think the Bengals have a lot to be proud of. Um, they were the they were the rightful underdog, and they played you know, they played a pretty damn good game. Um, Burrow just really impressive, man. Just his yeah. his his moxie and having the injury that he had. I thought he tore his ACL, but it looks like uh, our buddy Tuji, the uh, doctor, Doctor Gold. I, I want to say, yeah, I want to say out too. I watched the game at Tuji's uh, house, who's a who's a valued member of the Dynasty League, obviously, and uh, just a great atmosphere. I really kind of felt like a kid. Uh, just like you kind of get there. I didn't know like that many people there, but it's like there's there's kids there, there's adults there, there's food everywhere. It's just like a beautiful house. There's TVs everywhere. I felt like. Going to a Super Bowl party when I was like nine years old, where it's almost like a big event and everyone's like, you know, ha- like laughing and having a good time, and it was just couldn't be a better atmosphere. But two G man, one of the most impressive injury callers I've ever been around in my life. I mean, immediately, and it's not anything like you got to be careful with injuries because it's you know it's a sore it's a sore subject. But obviously, two G respects the game. This guy is a, he's a former athlete, and you know he knows. He knows what it takes to, to, to get to the level that these players are at. At least, you know, I think you can imagine. Um, and I think he respects, you know, the process of, of going through an injury and all that. But just whip quick immediately knew what kind of injury was happening, when it was happening. Um, and it took a minute for him to examine the burrow, the situation. But he said he doesn't think it's an ACL because something to do with the outside of the knee. And uh, he said it was if – I, if I'm remembering correctly, he did say it was an MCL sprain and that he'll go back in for the game and probably be out for a few weeks. But it will heal naturally in the offseason. And uh, that's why I call him Dr. Clutch. So <laughs> a shout-out to 2G for that. Uh, you know, I think he's got a future in uh, perhaps being, being in sports medicine or something of that nature. Yeah, overall just uh, an impressive game. Um, pretty – you know, pretty good seeing the, seeing the Super Bowl in L.A. I thought they did a good job, obviously. Uh, a lot of good reviews on the halftime show, which uh, I have not seen. But yep. um, Yeah, didn't watch it. I um, do want to say, though, that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson intro oh, that was, was bad. one of the most yep. cringe things I think I've ever seen in my life. I can't imagine even – I mean, I guess these players are pretty locked in. But imagine getting ready for the biggest game of your life and that, like – 
hunk of a man is on the field who's like never played a down in the NFL, scream like like it's like a WWE event, like like screaming about wearing like a shirt that's three sizes too small and screaming about how like are you ready to rumble for the Super Bowl? It's like give me a break, man. A little bit of him goes yeah. a long way. So I will say I did want to talk about my silent reflection. Um, I was watching I was watching the game down in Marina Del Rey. And everyone wanted to watch the halftime show. And I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out and do my silent reflection. And I walked down to the beach uh, through these little, these little kind of um, dense, dense beach housey neighborhoods where I could hear everyone had, you know, everyone's windows are open. I can hear the halftime show while it's happening. And um, I went down to the beach and there wasn't anyone there. It was a beautiful sunset. It was probably, you know, the game kicked off at 3.30 uh, Pacific time. So it probably was around 5.30. Perfect time for sunset, a beautiful sunset. I, I, t- I had to take some pictures on my phone just because I was having such, a, I was having such an out-of-body experience. And on the beach, there's a father and his son playing catch. Son wearing a Matthew Stafford jersey. And the, and the father's sewing it up to the son. The son catches it like he's doing a kick return. And the father would like tackle him and everything. And I said, this is what it's all about. This is the Super Bowl, man. This is what it's all about. It took me back to Lee. I mean, when Lee and I were kids... We wouldn't really even watch too much of the Super Bowl. We were just outside playing football a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, for those, we'd like come in for the fourth quarter. Yeah, basically. we'd come in for like the second <laughs> half, but we would we would be playing tackle football with uh, with those Daigle boys in 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 the front uh, in the front yard two v two. So, I mean, it's just it, you know the Super Bowl really is uh, get the really, jerseys on, bloody yeah, noses get, and everything, yeah. man. That, that Sean Daigle in a Troy Polamalu jersey making yeah. making <laughs> sounds as he trucks through us. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a really it was just a really wholesome, awesome experience, and I and I just I was I was so grateful for the game that I was watching because it was such a good game and it was such a great season, and I was it was bittersweet because I knew that we weren't gonna have football for another six months, but ultimately this was despite you know me being wrong about a lot of things this season, this was a an unbelievable season that I don't think I'll forget for a long time. Another uh, another satisfied customer with the with the silent reflection. We, we yep. love to see it. Yeah. This kind of leads into to my our conversation leads into my big takeaway almost heading into the 2022-2023 season. I saw a tweet that like Jimmy G now has the most rings. Yep. Of of any of any quarterback in the NFL. Active. Obviously a big a big exodus here with with Roethlisberger and and Brady leaving the game. I kind of think the NFL almost has never been so wide open. Um and I don't know if there's you know and there's so many I think unanswered questions. You look at the AFC, right, and there was, what, like a 15-year period where it was literally only Manning, Brady, and um, Roethlisberger in Super Bowls, and then you had the one Flacco year. You know, there was a long time where the AFC was kind of controlled by those three guys. Even, you know, look, and then the NFC, man, it just seems for the longest time has, has kind of been anyone's guess as to who's who's going to come out of it. You know, you've, you've had Eagles, Falcons, Rams, uh, you know, just Seahawks, everyone kind of peppered in there. I just, I feel like, and then obviously with the stuff with Rodgers up in the air, I just, I feel like the league has, has never been so wide open. And you look at the Chiefs also making four straight AFC championship games, kind of wondering if that is going to continue uh, like it has over the past uh, four seasons. Just, uh, I don't know. I feel like the league is, is in a really good spot, even with those types of quarterbacks leaving. And obviously there's there's a space to fill in terms of 
could there be another dynasty coming out with with some of the talent that there is? But I also feel like it's it's pretty spread out across the the board, and I feel like a lot of the takes in terms of the Bengals have been they kind of missed an opportunity to to steal a Super Bowl uh, with mm. the way that the AFC looks right now. Like we said, with the Chiefs, um, with a team like the Bills, who I think were probably both more impressive than the Bengals, even though the Bengals went to Kansas City and, and won that AFC Championship game. I just, I don't know. I think the league's pretty pretty wide open right now. I think there's more questions than there are answers heading into 2022-2023. Absolutely, man. And that's definitely kind of goes into when you're like a team, when you have that team of destiny kind of energy that the Bengals had where they were winning so many close games and it seemed like Burrow was kind of undeniable um and you get a chance to play in the Super Bowl I mean I don't know I think they gave it their best effort but yeah I, I, I do think they missed an opportunity had like had, they had like a very Giants vibe to them to yeah me. absolutely and man I just think about when you talk about the AFC like the the dynasty quarterbacks in the AFC when I think of quarterbacks who are going to be the quarterback for their team most likely for the next five to seven to ten years and it's like, there are a lot of those in the AFC. And yep. I, there are a good amount in the NFC, but you just brought up the AFC with Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger. And I'm thinking to myself, like, obviously Burrow has come onto the scene now. I, I know the conversation about Burrow is as electric now as it's, as it's going to be. And now people are talking about, you know, him being the best quarterback in the NFL or whatever. And it's just, it's a little ridiculous. But you have Burrow, you have Mahomes, you have Allen. You obviously have guys like Lamar. Um, Herbert, Yeah. Uh, I would even say Mac Jones is someone who's here to stay in, in New England. I don't Are, think, I don't to a certain think he's level. Be replaced. Yeah, I mean, these guys are all, you know, like dynasty quarterbacks now. And, and then uh, if Rodgers goes to the Broncos. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be very interesting. So Lawrence we, and Wilson, even though with our own biases all in there too, you have to, you know, potentially just these guys who have been drafted high. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I'm just I just think that the, the talent is uh, is kind of it's kind of crazy, and uh, the the parity and the competitiveness is uh, at a really high level. So it's really fun to watch, and the product in the playoffs was as good as I've seen in a long time. I, yeah, I also saw too. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting too. The NFL is wide open. It's like who are the elite teams in the NFL? I mean. Um, I would have said, you know, the the Packers, the Bills, and obviously I would have said the Chiefs too before the Cincinnati game. But um, it seems like, you know, a team like the Rams who were were very very good the whole year, but um, obviously you know lost in Green Bay, which is an incredibly hard thing to do. But like we're on that precipice with, you know, um, I'm I'm forgetting probably some, but with the Bucks and you know other teams in the NFC that kind of like. It's, it just seems like there might not be an elite team in the NFL um, or just like how much that matters because obviously, I don't know, I think the Rams have flaws, I think the Bengals have flaws, I mean all these teams have flaws, whereas we kind of viewed, I think, going into this year in the past couple of years, it's like, oh, the Chiefs are chalked to win the Super Bowl and they're going to continue to be chalked where the Chiefs have a lot of issues that they're going to have to sort through as well in reference to their quarterback and also just, you know... They've gone to four, the four, like you said, Adam, four straight AFC championships, and they only have one Super Bowl to show for it. And all of a sudden, I think like that kind of dynasty and, and four four home games too. Exa- four exactly, home AFC championships. four home yeah. AFC championships, and they got they got their butts kicked in the Super Bowl last last year, and they imploded against the Bengals this year. And it just seems like, I mean, me looking at it right now, like the truly 
I want to say the Bills, but you know the Bills got their their butts kicked by the Colts and they lost to the Jaguars, and and the Packers really were the only team that fit that description until they lost to the 49ers. I saw a really interesting stat that the Packers beat um, the Packers beat the Rams, the Bengals, and the 49ers in the regular season. You know, which is um, which is which is pretty interesting, and uh, the, the Chiefs obviously, but that was without uh, or no, they lost to the Chiefs. That's with Jordan Love, so. It's just going to be – I think you bring up a really good point, Adam. I think just the NFL is wide open. There's going to be a lot of quarterback turnover. And you have to believe, at least from this, the pure narrative, oh, the Bucks went and got Brady, won a Super Bowl. The Rams went out and got Stafford and got a Super Bowl. And all of these kind of teams, these, you know, anywhere from the, the Broncos to the Eagles, to the Panthers, it goes on and on, can say, hey, we can get a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, um, you know, or, or whomever, even maybe even a Kirk Cousins. I don't even know. I mean – a lot of people thought that Matthew Stafford uh, in the kind of the mainstream media was more in that Kirk Cousins tier than a top 10 quarterback tier coming into the year. So I think that I think that's the I think that is the takeaway, Adam. And, you know, this the league is wide open and you're going to see a lot of teams, I think, put all their chips towards the middle of the table uh, and try and get one of these guys and, and kind of be that next team to get a new quarterback and go to a Super Bowl. The one thing, too, I would say in terms of the Bengals, though, their rebuild is way ahead of schedule. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you make a Super Bowl in year two of it. You're on, you know, Jamar Chase is on his rookie deal. You've got um, Joe Burrow just in the third year of his rookie deal. T. Higgins too. T. Higgins. And, and so you don't T. really Higgins have anyone. Phenomenal too, man. Quite a player. Like really and good. You, you have just so many, you, really only the guy that's, that's up for a contract is Jesse Bates. And, they have like the fourth most cap space in the league, so if they want to pay him, I'm sure they can. They have you know a, a regular amount of draft capital. So I, and then they they kind of have one big need, and that's the O line, and they can just sink a lot of resources into that this off season. So you know, I think the Bengals have a have a great chance to to be back where they where they were uh, in the near future. You know, it, obviously it's super hard to make Super Bowls if, as we've you know seen seen in the past, and it's hard to climb that mountain and then not ultimately make it to the top and regroup and, and come back. But just a, an impressive season for them. They're, they're ahead of schedule and hopefully, you know, they don't, I guess, hopefully for their, their team and their fans, you know, they don't kind of regress back to, to the middle. Oh, um, cause it's, it's a deserving fan base too. I will say, I kind of teased this on the last pod and, and I feel, and I think it kind of really did come to fruition and Lee kind of mentioned it just before, like, it's going to be hard for me to go to bat with the Bengals again next year just because, like, there is already in the media this conversation, like, oh, is Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the AFC and, like, all this. I just think it's going to be very hard for the Bengals to – their division I still think is good. The Ravens were well, – hit. the Browns are in it. What's that? I was just messing. I said, well, the Browns are in the division, so it's going to be. <laughs> the Ravens were hit with a slew of injuries. The Browns um, had a down year. Obviously, Baker got hurt. I don't know how much that means, but I still believe in the Browns. I still think Kevin Stefanski is a top 10 coach. Um, We've been waiting for the post-Roethlisberger era for four years. Completely. Too. I think all of the coaches in that division um, outside of the Bengals, I mean, even you could say Zach Taylor now, Harbaugh, Stefanski, and Tomlin are all top 10 coaches from my mind. I have a heart. This division, I think, is going to continue to be tough. It's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers rebuild. But if they can, you know, get – I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, for my money, was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year, and they still managed to almost – I mean, they made, they made the playoffs. They were the seventh seed. So, I, Goff was worse. 
I don't know, man. I don't know. But either way, either way, even if he's even if he's 31, man, like these these teams are all going to come back next year, I think with, you know, some new perspective and I think the hype train for the Bengals, I still don't know what I think about Zach Taylor. He's obviously better than we all gave him credit for, but I still think there's a lot of questions with um, you know, with this team. I think Jamar Chase and their receivers are studs, but like I said, you know, their win total is going to be at least 10.5, man. It's going to be at least 10.5, and, and they're going to be in a really tough division. They're going to be playing a first-place schedule. And, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they attack the free agency because, like you said, Adam, like they're going to have a bunch of capital. They can go out and spend money on a Toron Armstead or you know whoever the top free agent tackle is, and they're going to have the 31st pick, and they're going to be able to throw that into an offensive line class that seems to be pretty deep. Um, well, and, dude, guys are going to want to play there now. Yeah. Like that's Joe Burrow, true. I mean – I know it's kind of silly, but I think it's kind of an interesting point where, like, Gronk comes out and says, like, man, I want to play with Burrow. Yeah. And it's like, guys, like, would are now – Cincinnati's just never been a destination in the history of the NFL where people have been like, oh, I want to go there. I want to go play for the Bengals. And now it's like, man, I feel like people are going to want to be lining up to play for Joe Burrow because he's become kind of overnight, like, one of the more respected players in the NFL at, at a very young age. Um and he's, you know, I think a lot of people, there's the reason why, I mean, I know it's very clickbaity and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I mean, there is a reason why he's already being talked about on these football shows, you know, four days after the Super Bowl or whatever about being the best quarterback in the AFC. It's because, you know, what he did is kind of unprecedented and even with losing the Super Bowl. And now this is all of a sudden become a destination where I think a lot of maybe veteran guys are going to want to go and be like, hey, maybe we can go win win a championship with Joe Burrow, you know, up in Cincinnati. It's Lee, looking ahead to um, the free agency and, and the draft coming up, is there anything uh, you got your eye on? Honestly, man, my biggest fascination is Deshaun Watson um, and how that's all going to play out because I do think that he's an elite quarterback and I think that that's a very valuable thing. Like, with how much good things I've said about Stafford, like, I think Deshaun Watson's better than him and that's crazy. The The, the idea that you know, you can bring Deshaun Watson in who's like 25 or 26 years old, uh, elite quarterback, whoever gets him, you know, let's say hypothetically the Buccaneers go out and get Deshaun Watson. To me, they don't really miss a step. Like, uh, I think that they're right back where they were with Brady. Ultimately, like maybe obviously they don't have that mental edge that Brady brings to the table. But I think Deshaun Watson would, would elevate that team to where Maybe Godwin or, or Evans or whoever takes less money and says, hey, like, I want to stay here because we got a really good thing going uh, if we can get a guy like that. I think that's the biggest thing I'm monitoring. But just ultimately, I know it's kind of one and the same, but the whole quarterback market, I mean, we talked about it for a while. This quarterback market this offseason is going to be absolutely wild, I think, when it comes to Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson. Those four guys, to me, are all top 12 to 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. Two of them are for sure top seven quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, And they all need new homes. And there are teams that are hungry for good quarterbacks, notably the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, notably the Indianapolis Colts, in my opinion, who are maybe perhaps a quarterback away from going and making a Super Bowl run themselves. Um, So, I mean, shoot, I was ready to back the Colts to make a, perhaps make a Super Bowl run with Carson Wentz if they made it this year. So if they can get a guy like Garoppolo, who I know, is probably the worst out of the four quarterbacks I named, but I think would be a significant upgrade from Carson Wentz. Um, I think they, they would be well, immediately would be the team to beat in that division. Um, so stuff like I that. Ask you, I want to ask you guys too, just from 
a college perspective in terms of Lee, when you talk about this quarterback class in the draft, not really getting into any of the guys specifically, but to me with where some of the guys get talked about going, like even in the, in the top 10, I feel like this is one of the quarterback classes where there's not even really one guy that accomplished anything super significant in college. Yeah. I, nobody accomplished anything. What's the most, like, honestly, we can think about it. What's the biggest accomplishment of any quarterback in the class? It would probably, probably like be Desmond Ritter's winning percentage. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Desmond, like Desmond playoff, Ritter had right? a great winning percentage in college. Like, he, he won a ton of yeah. games at Cincinnati. He's well, probably the most winningest quarterback in Cincinnati history. I think that would probably be the biggest I think, accomplishment. I think we, Sam Howell was an utter disappointment from a team standpoint. Yeah. North Carolina did nothing but underperform the whole yeah. time he was the quarterback there. I mean, Malik they had Willis, a good ranking. They had Liberty, a good ranking. Liberty was probably the best they've been, but that's also a team that's been on the upswing, and Hugh, I think Hugh Freeze has a lot to do with that. And uh, But from Liberty also, with the expectations they were given, given, have been nothing but disappointing too. They lost a lot of games they shouldn't have lost while he, he's been the quarterback of the team. Um, yeah, I think, so. I think we touched on, a, on it on a different pod, but I obviously haven't done a deep dive into these quarterbacks um, yet, but I'm still I'm pretty confident, and I think Lee, you would agree with me too that all of these you know top five or six quarterbacks, whatever it is, would be the QB six last year. Um, they would be behind Mac Jones in terms of if Mac Jones is in this class as the QB He'd be five, the number one guy. For he would sure. be the number one guy for sure. Like by and, far, he yeah, would be. by far. So it just seems to me that like. A team like you know the the Commanders or the Broncos or hey, hey, hey. first Commanders first Commanders I'm gonna, I, the BJP. I, I know I said this about the Raiders moving to Vegas I'm gonna call them the football team until I like can't anymore I'm just letting you guys know yeah I mean it's it's funny we we hated the football team and look at us dying on the football know, team I hell yeah. Um, but yeah like these teams that you know. Carolina, uh, Denver, Washington, Pittsburgh, I guess, New Orleans, Philadelphia. I guess Philadelphia probably has the best situation with Hurts, but even then, like I think there is, you can make an argument that Philadelphia has three first-round picks, three top-20 picks. They are in a prime position to target a Deshaun Watson, uh, a Russell Wilson, with the, you know, with the added bonus that they could give Hurts to whomever. They could give Hurts to Houston or Seattle. Um I think it just all of this just makes me feel very confident that teams are going those teams are going to be aggressive. Like obviously I've been the biggest Jimmy G hater, but if you're the if you're the Commanders at 11, would you rather give that pick for Jimmy G or draft, you know, whoever you think QB1 is? And obviously there's economic repercussions with that cuz Jimmy G is uh, you know, making 25 million dollars a year or whatever it is, but in terms of what's going to make you a better team, from week one of 2022, it's probably to have Jimmy G on your team. So I think that's all, there's going to be a, a bit of an arms race for all of these teams in the top 20. And then we didn't even, you know, touch on the bucks. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's just going to be an arms race for, for quarterbacks and teams are going to be probably overpaying. And then the teams who will miss out on that are going to have to take, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm. You gotta feel like too that that Stafford somewhat set that market too. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, look, they gave up two firsts and won a Super Bowl. Yep. Like that's what teams are gonna want. Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it's I like think, if, if yeah. Well, yeah, I guess what I was just saying, like a team like Washington, if they're unless you really, I guess it's a little bit of you know, 
but you should probably be trading that number 11 pick for a quarterback that you think is going to make you competitive in a pretty bad division um, starting in 2022. So, Who do you think, theoretically, if both of these guys get traded, who do you think um, gets more draft capital, Jimmy G or Wentz? Jimmy, oh, Jimmy G. Jimmy G, I think, easily. pretty easily. Okay. I, so honestly, I would agree, but would you rather give up the less capital for Wentz or more for Jimmy more G? More for Jimmy G. I, I think more for Jimmy G. I think G I would, too. I, I, think I, would I honestly too. think that I, my opinion of Jimmy G has only kind of grown this year. I think he had a better year than I thought he would, and I already kind of liked him. And I, I think he cemented himself in that category of, like, I think Cousins is better but I think he's in that same tier as Cousins. He's on like the low end of that tier where yep. I think he you can win a Super Bowl with him. I genuinely think that. If you have to put a like you have to be the Colts or the Buccaneers. I don't think he's going to a Super Bowl with the Commanders. Uh, shout out Commanders. I just said it. I'm, I'm already <laughs> on board. Um, but but I think if you can get a really good team around him, he can be a competent quarterback for you and the mistakes are going to come, but I think it's worth the capital. I personally wouldn't trade a first round pick for Jimmy G. But the point Tommy's making makes a lot of sense where it's like if you're Washington and San Francisco wants a first and someone else is willing to trade them a first and you've got that pick 11 and you're a quarterback away from competing for the division, which they are. Like they, are, they ultimately are a quarterback away from competing for the division because the other teams are not that. Like the Cowboys, Eagles, and Giants are all kind of in their own you know, area of flux. Um, maybe you just have to oversell. Maybe you just – that's the market and you got to be like, well, we're going to sell a pick that's – Probably, I don't know, 30 spots too high for this guy, but we're going to bring in a quarterback who can, you know, kind of manage our team for the next, he can command our team for the next four years and, uh, you know, kind of see, see where the chips fall. We can surround him with talent. we got a good defense and, you know, see if we can't, because all, it, all it's about is making the playoffs, man. And if you can win your division, you can make the playoffs. The Bengals proved it this year. And you can get a home game if you win your division and make the playoffs. And then all that is, is now you got to get hot and see if you can't make a run. And Jimmy G is a guy who I know it's been on the 49ers, but he's made a Super Bowl run before and he's, he was pretty damn close to making one this year too. So, um, that's why I would, I rather have him once. I think once is damaged goods and his stock has only gone yep. down and will only continue to go down. And, and I also I feel like a lot of his upside was because he was with Reich. Yep. Yeah, totally. For sure. Totally. Tommy, uh, any quick, uh, I got to get to work here soon, but any, any quick, Things you're you're looking at ahead into uh, 2022, 2023 in terms of the off season or maybe a Browns bounce back. What do you yeah, think? I think I think the Browns are are really interesting, uh, really interesting team to monitor because um, I still really believe in 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 that front office and that coaching staff and really the roster. The roster still is going to be really good next year, but it's going to be hard to go to go to war with them if Baker Mayfield is their quarterback, and it, it seems like that most likely is going to be the case. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how free agency kind of goes out, but, you know, really it just comes down to these, uh, to these uh, you know, these quarterbacks. I've, you know, I think there already is the narrative going around now with Jacksonville being this year Cincinnati, which I think is uh, kind of interesting. Um, not saying that, but just, you know, a team that right now they're plus, they're plus what, 10,000 to win the Super Bowl next year. you got Doug Peterson coming in, the guy who – who knows, you know, you'd like to think knows what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball. They have the number one pick. Trevor Lawrence, I still think, is a guy that I believe in. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things. But I think, you know, ultimately, Klepp, I think you have the best point, man. Like, the NFL, I think, is kind of wide open. 
Um, the Packers most likely are, are, are going to be without Rodgers and potentially Devontae Adams. So all of these teams are kind of vying for – you're pretty much – I think you're pretty much shooting for the Chiefs and the Bills, man. Um, I think those are the two top teams really assuming that uh, Rodgers gets out of town. Um, those are the teams that I think everyone should be kind of gunning for. Um, I want to say, too, I want to make it clear, I've, I've changed my stance on Rodgers. I think he's staying. Really? I'm on the club, I'm on the club train now. I just don't – I just think if you look at the situation from a standpoint of, like, competitiveness, and it's like, okay, how do we get to a Super Bowl? Because that's all that matters. The division is in total flux. The Bears and Lions are not going to be competitive this year, I don't think. Um the Vikings just got a new coach, and you know they'll be good. But the Packers are the clear number one in that division. If Rodgers comes back and can get Devontae back, the 49ers are going to be starting a first-year starter, um, and he may be better than Garoppolo, but still, it's a first-year starter. We're talking about the team that went to the NFC Championship has a new quarterback. The Rams just won a Super Bowl, and there's going to be the whole Super Bowl hangover thing. We don't know if McVay is going to be back. We don't know if Donald's going to be back. We know Whitworth isn't going to be back. We know Von Miller will probably not be back. Odell tore his ACL. I mean, I know Woods is coming back, but the Rams are kind of in flux a little bit there. And the I think and no the, draft capital. I think the NFC is just objectively so much more wide open. Brady's than the gone. AFC and Brady's gone. Exactly. That's a that's like the biggest one. Brady's gone now. Like and Rodgers has one Super Bowl, and I just feel like he needs to be at peace with the situation that he's going to be a Packer for life because. That is what I feel like kind of what needs to happen a little bit. And they need to figure out whatever. I feel like they squashed a lot of the beef this past year. And maybe before the season he thought this would be the the last dance or whatever. But just the way it all ended and looking on how the 2022-2023 season might be, I kind of think it would be a mistake for him to jump ship and go to Denver where he's got to play Mahomes twice a year, Herbert twice a year, and the Raiders who aren't no you know a joke at all twice a year. I think that arguably is the second best division in football behind the NFC West. Um, you got to play those teams. You're in the AFC. It's a much harder road, I think. Uh, harder to get home field advantage. I don't know. I guess the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, which is kind of what staying in the, with the Packers would be because the, the home game at Lambeau narrative is kind of getting old and tired at this point. But I really do think that he should just kind of stick it out there and he – in my opinion, they would be, in my mind right now, way too early Super Bowl prediction. The Packers with Rodgers and Adams coming back, back would be the odds-on favorite, in my mind, to win the Super Bowl. Um, because I just think at a certain point, they're going to get over that. Who I think it's interesting, though. Like If Rodgers goes to Denver, they have a better roster than Green Bay. Now, Nathaniel Hackett is a little bit of an unknown. Um, but I don't think... like You are right. You are 100% right, but... Rodgers, I mean, obviously, how much beef they've set, they've you know squashed is 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 a big part of this. But like in Denver, I think they're the best. They're better than the Chiefs. I think, I think they're a better team than the Chiefs because of their defense and because of what Aaron Rodgers would bring with the receiving weapons they have, with the running back that they have. I mean, that roster is really, really darn good. Um, so I think you know he kind of is in a position where no matter where he goes, they're going to be a big favorite for Super Super Bowl. Now, obviously, going through the AFC as opposed to the NFC is, you know, is a, is a much, you know, is a much different thing. It's definitely, it's definitely harder. Um, I mean, where is the NFC right now? Like, assuming Rodgers leaves, like, who are the top five teams in the NFC? 
Rams. Rams. Cowboys. Cardinals. Cardinals. I mean, I think the Niners might be the best. Like, I think the Niners, Niners obviously belong in that yeah. conversation. I would put the Niners in there. I just think Lance is still kind of an unknown, but I would assume the Niners. And then I'd probably say the Vikings. I don't know. It's really early too. I don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for the. I think the Buccaneers with Jimmy would be there if they can retain like Godwin and Evans. Yeah, their their defense is still really, really good. If the Eagles, you know, if the Eagles upgrade a quarterback, they probably deserve to be in that conversation too. Um, Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, the NFC is completely wide open. I think right now, like the only teams that I'm really comfortable. I mean, it's 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 the Rams, it's the Niners, the Cowboys, and the. I mean, the Cardinals belong in there, but I think the Cardinals are a mess, and we didn't even talk I think about the Cardinals and the Cowboys are very similar, to be honest. Yeah, but at least the. Yeah. I think the Cowboys at least like. I mean, they definitely are similar. Like we, that's why we paired them together. They both got eliminated in the first round. Um. Yeah, they they are very similar, but just all of the stuff that's going on with Kyler right now, like, is not good. It's not good. I, I think I don't think there's that much smoke there, to be honest. The fact that he has to come out and like, I don't know. I I definitely think that there's there's something going on there. I don't think he would have come out and like defended himself. If I don't know, man. It's February sixteenth. Like, I don't know. I think that stuff. I, I also heal that. I also think the Cardinals are just. You know, doomed to fail, much like the Cowboys too. Like the difference is, the Cowboys are just in a much easier division than the Cardinals. Like the Cardinals running it back now with Kingsbury, and no matter who they draft, like it just seems like they're a team that's going to be really hot for the first eight eight games of the year. Then they're going to pewter out, and they might make the playoffs. And they're just you know going to be they're going to be an easy fade, I think, once they get to the playoffs again next year. So, but you are right, man. The NFC is wide open, wide open. Like, Adam just put the Vikings in the top five, and I, like, don't even really know if I disagree with him. It's, like, that's crazy That's, like, if Rodgers leaves, yeah. Yeah, that's if Rodgers leaves. If Rodgers stays, to me, it's, like, they're they're clearly the best team. Yeah. Um, And I think that their win total, if Rodgers stays and Adam stays, is somewhere in the network of 13. Like, they're – why would they not win 12 or 13 games? Like, they're – that's what they do. Um, Unless you don't believe you can win – well, I just you have there ever it, win totals that are that high. Well, I guess yeah, there's an extra game now. Well, there's an extra game now. The Chiefs were twelve and a half this year, so I think that they'd be the Packers would be somewhat something like that, something like twelve and a half. And I think there was juice to the over. Um, also, and, and yeah, the Packers are going to have if Rodgers indeed stays, they're going to have to because. They're going to have to get some more weapons there, man. I mean, that was my biggest takeaway from that 49ers game. It's like the 49ers were able to go to the Kittles, the Debos, the Iukes. Like, they had guys that they could go to. The Packers, if Devontae, you know, isn't being Superman, then you're going, you're stuck with, you know, uh, DeGuara and, and Alan Lazard and, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And also, mm-hmm. the Packers, too, another part of this, too, is if Aaron Rodgers does stay, the Packers are in... Of, you know, obscene cap hell. Like he has a forty million dollar cap hit, and they're already like thirty million dollars over the cap. They're going to have to cut, um, uh, press not to Preston Smith, but Zadarius Smith, potentially mm-hmm. even Preston Smith. Like they're in a really bad spot cap wise. So I think that also deserves to be kind of mentioned. It's true. Yeah, a lot to um, a lot left to to play out. I think when's the combine, boys? Probably end of February. I would end say. of February, right? Kind when does the free up? agency officially start? Early March, March, right? That's 
Let's get that for our listeners here. March 1st is the combine. March 1st is the combine? Okay. Yeah. NFL free agency. They probably pushed it, pushed probably, it back slightly. It's probably the middle of March. March 16th, free agency. So it'll probably be like a little bit before then, right? Because there's like the legal yeah. tampering period. A yeah, month yeah, from yeah. the day. Or whatever it is. Yeah. A month so from the day. So March 14th, two days prior. Yep. Buckle in. Buckle in. The next uh, the next pod we drop, man. It's, it, this is this is BJP season. Yep. Yeah, this is this is BJP season. This is where we uh, make our nut. I'm going to have to start doing some deep dives, looking at some receivers. I think I'm starting with receivers. Going to be an interesting uh, draft. Going to be uh, a lot of, like we said, the, 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 the league looks wide open. You got to think there's a lot of GMs looking at that too and ready to make some moves. Absolutely. Yep. Tommy, are you going to say maybe a Q, Q draft day? Q draft day, baby.